Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Morning, Albert. Morning, mate. And welcome all to Alan Hudson's American Dream. It's part part three now. Well, we've done a, a couple of parts. We've had a look at the introduction to America. We've talked about one of the players that you played against in part one, um, Vladislav Bogusevich. And now we're going to be talking about uh, America and Anthony. They've got four games coming up. Uh, two against Morocco and Uruguay, which are friendlies, then Nation, Le- Nation League games against Granada and El Salvador. So I think we'll start on that because the first game's in Cincinnati. And as we spoke about in the last podcast, Anthony kicked his first ball with Don Shanks in the Football Academy. And Don's going out to Cincinnati to link up with Anthony all those years on, isn't he? Well, it's amazing, really, when you think uh, uh, if if you go, a lot of footballers or people to get on in life go back to where they begin, how it all started off, and uh, this this is quite surreal, isn't it? Really, it is. and um, it's 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 great because it it's just dropped in the lap of Don as well, because Don was over, he's over in Tampa Bay, which is a place close to his art, because there's dog tracks and horse horse racing over there. Uh, and uh, and he's up the road playing in Cincinnati. So he jumps on a... He's got friends everywhere. Every every um, city in the USA, I think Don's got a friend. And he's got friends near Cincinnati. So he's going over to see his friends and obviously catch up with Anthony and go to the game. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think he went to a game when Anthony uh, was. I'm not sure he was coaching, but he went to a game in Orlando uh, to see him once when he was in Tampa again, and and he was uh, absolutely chuffed, you know, because it was. It, it, I suppose it takes Don back as well, you know. Although Anthony, you know, his first time he ever kicked a football when he was in, in Tampa Bay, and it was quite embarrassing. Well, not embarrassing. It was more funny than embarrassing. But uh, when you look at, uh, when they talk about people like Jose Marino, he was never a footballer. And you, you know, you look at people like Arsene Wenger, he was never a footballer. And then they turn out to be these coaches and, you know, top coaches and, professors of football and it makes you wonder about the backgrounds of these you know people that get top jobs you know but the background of Anthony is he has a good pedigree because his older brother Alan was a terrific footballer his dad 
Alan Hudson was one of the greatest football players that we've ever had. So football is in Anthony's DNA. And had you not have gone to America and possibly Dono arrived at Arsenal earlier and been there when you arrived, you may have stayed at Arsenal and your life and Anthony's life may have been very different. And we did touch upon that in part two. So Anthony might have had an even better grooming in football had you have stayed in America, uh, sorry, in England, but in America, it was different because they play all American sports, didn't they? Well, yeah, yeah. But I, I think going back to your, your first point is um, uh, when it comes to families and, you know, like we, we watched, um, we don't know money yesterday, we watched, um, we're talking about Brian Clough and yeah. uh, Nigel, the way Nigel's team were just so disorganised yesterday and, his dad wouldn't have stood for it, you know, the sending off and all this. Uh, and in our family, uh, as you said, Alan played it. You know, he was a bit unfortunate, really, that he played under the wrong people. You got, you got to have that that element of luck. Uh, you know, my my mother's brother was a very good footballer. Uh, on the other side, I'm I'm kind of that side of the family. I'm more, of, I think, I'm more of a mason than a than Hudson, and I'm on George's side. He was a good footballer. My father was a good footballer. Um, he played at Wimbledon when Wimbledon were a football team before Vinnie Jones and all them got there. Um, so, yeah, we, 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 we it, it came a good stock, really, but he was the most uh, apart from my my uncle George really who wouldn't have got anywhere in management or coaching wouldn't have interested him he's too laid back and too shy uh, he was a pro he was probably Anthony's the most untalented of the lot you might say um, you know, or the most unlikely to get on in a you know game yeah, you know and, and as I said to you last time we spoke um you know, he's living my dream, really, because that would have been after falling in love with the USA uh, while we were out there when we first moved there. And it was such, it was such a, uh, a dream to get away from England after all the aggravation at Arsenal and then walk in there and start again and, you know, not having to worry about all eyes on you. It was, it was a dream and, you know, and the dream become kind of reality you know and uh that would have been the dream job for me you know and but he's he hasn't got the american job and i don't know if he'll ever get it uh but uh he's not in a bad position but again you've done uh, a podcast with uh, anthony because anthony was doing these mastermind podcasts and you said on the podcast anthony you've either got to be a manager or a coach you can't do both and it looks as though the path that Anthony's taking is that of a, of a coach and, and not a manager. Whether, as you say, one day that manager, that coach does become a manager. But sometimes it doesn't work and you've got to work at what you're best at. A great example of that is Don Howe, fantastic coach. There's a great book out at the moment uh, written by David Tussle. Um, and I think that you contributed to, to that book, Alan. Yeah. But yeah. Don Howe, your favourite coach, the only coach you liked, but when he went in to like manage and be the number one, didn't quite work for Don, did it? He? he was always better as a number two. 
Well, I, I think uh, it's my it's, it's it's my theory, but it's I think it's common sense. Yeah, it's uh, you don't have to be a genius to work out that you can't do both. It's um, you know, Waddington was probably the greatest example. You never see him all week. You never see him on the training ground. Uh, all the all the business of playing and and the business of your outside life, you, you go through him. Yeah. <clears throat> Whereas your day to day fitness, you could fall out with your coaches all day long on the on the training field. You could ignore them all day long. You could do what they tell you to do and not to, not do what they tell you to do. It didn't matter because they were really unimportant coaches, you know. Uh, where on the management side of it, you, you know. Uh, you had to, it was all about not please it was all about pleasing yourself because if you please yourself then you're you're pleased because you're happy with your own performances and the manager's got to be happy but uh yeah that i i don't i'm not i don't know what anthony is at the moment i don't think it, he's, he's definitely not a manager I've seen, I've been over, I was over in Colorado when he gave a team talk once and he spoke to the players and you know, um, had I been a player in that dressing room, I might have pulled him up on a couple of things, you know. Um, yeah, the, the the thing with doing both, and, and, and like with Don, Don, Don was, you when when Don spoke as a coach, Don Howe at Arsenal, I mean, he turned things around where, where the manager balls it all up. He he turned it all around and, and turned the team that were, that we we really were about fifth from bottom, and we you know with the players we had it was just it was too ridiculous for words you know <clears throat> one of the best players in the world maybe at that time Brady and you know we're fifth from bottom, and I weren't playing that well. Uh, Mal- Malcolm McDonald, Frank Stapleton went on to you know do great things at Manchester United. Jordi Armstrong was still a terrific player. We we had you know so I, Pat Jennings weren't really finished at that time, but he was the best goalie in the world at one time, and there we were fifth from bottom. So it shows you that the manager was making a pig's ear of it all. Um, and then along came Don and kind of steadied the ship on the training ground and got things back to normality. And 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 the old saying again, simplicity is genius. Don. Brought simplicity back into the into the club, and you know, and uh, I, I don't know. He probably I don't I don't know what Don's idea of it was, but when Terry called him to bring him back, he must have thought, "Oh, this is a fantastic opportunity for me to to turn things round." And you know, well, you know, because he knew he knew that there's something wrong with Terry with Terry Neal, you know, but. Uh, yeah, you know they're two completely different jobs. And when <clears throat> when I re- went when I returned home from Seattle and went back to Stoke, and I was finished and on the last legs, and the first game was against Arsenal, and he was manager, and I I, I didn't really take much notice of that to tell the truth. And all I remember is seeing a quote from him after the game, saying that Hudson was outstanding, but we'll see how long it lasts, kind of thing. It was a kind of a knock at me, but it was kind of a cover up on his own on him his own management skills you know uh would well, it prove that he couldn't manage
And again, different <coughs> dynamics brought in to organise, like Young Clough. You know, the organisation wasn't there. You you do need that good, that combination, the the experience, the young, the organised, the, the, the allowing to express yourself. And uh, in Tony Waddington, he, he had, he encapsulated everything and arguably one of the most I suppose, un- undervalued managers in British football, managed Stoke for 17 seasons. Almost, we got that great book out, the year we nearly won the league. Stoke City were vying and played in Europe. You played in Europe for Stoke. So, you know, when you, you look at it, it is all about, all our podcasts, all about good management. Now, going back to Thursday night, Morocco, difficult game for America. And then on paper, on the 5th, an even more difficult game, that's next Sunday, against Uruguay. So America are looking at having two difficult testing uh, friendlies before they go into these nation leagues because we then play America in the World Cup in November. Well, I, I think um, you only got to look at the results, and you only got to look at you know not world football, but even the Euros and uh, all the accolades that Southgate got when we m- messed up in the Euros, and you know everyone was going overboard about you know the, the match against Italy on our home on my home ground when. Yeah. We should, we should have whipped them, you know, with a good with a good manager, with a top manager. Uh, they were there for the taking, and we didn't do it. So, you know, it kind of shows how how it's levelled out over the years. There ain't there ain't no whipping dogs anymore. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm here with Alan at the moment, and we're saying that the game on Wednesday night, Scotland against Ukraine, you know, and Scotland. Uh, Odds on favourites to beat them, but especially with the war going on, how, how close a game is that going to be? Mm. You know, there, there's, there's just no certainties. And uh, the, the USA, strangely enough, um, I think they were probably a better playing team ten years ago yeah. than what they are now. They, they got a strange kind of setup. They got a strange, uh, you know. I watch Pulisic, and I think if he's a, one of their main players, and you know they can't be as good as what they were because mm. he's got so much. He's got so much ability, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust. I put, couldn't put my trust in him. Uh, and if he's one of their main players, then. Uh, but having said that, um, you know you you look at the opposition. You know, as you as you mentioned, Don's going there, and he's got, he's made, he's going there to see Anthony, but. He's he's going there to check up on the the Moroccan that plays for Queens Park Rangers, young chair. Good player, and uh, like he is him. a good player. I like him. I I, I think uh, I think it's I, I'm very surprised it's someone like Guardiola, uh, Klopp, or, or one of the top clubs haven't haven't picked this kid up. I would because it, all right, it's maybe a little bit like when I went to Stoke and nobody wanted me and. Everyone said Waddington's took a gamble. All right, every when when you sign players, everything's a bit of a gamble, change of lifestyle, and this and that. But this kid can play. Yeah, in, with good, you'll be surprised. In you know, you put a good. He's in a poor team at Queens Park Rangers. They're just not on the same wavelength as him. Yeah. 
uh, and he goes to pass the ball to certain players, and and they don't they don't understand what he's trying to do, and then he and then he has one touch too many, and then he has another touch too many, and then he looks uh, you know, he he looks uh, the guilty party when he's not, he's, they're not on the same wavelength as him, but that couldn't happen in a top team. If he played in a, a, a good team with really good players, I mean, we watched, all right, Liverpool got beat last night, but Mane was exceptional again, you know. He, um, you know, if he played with people like that. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You know, because they, they make runs where you have to give them the ball because they, they make it simple for the midfield player or the, the creator. Uh, and and I think young chair, you know, Don and I spoke about it many times. He he liked him as a kid. He he kind of uh, was touting him, uh, and and he he thinks he's going to be. And I, I agree with Don. I I think he could be a top top player. Uh, so it would be interesting to see how he plays against the states uh, on on Wednesday. Absolutely, I've watched him a number of times, Cher, and uh, he's always been a player that, that caught my eye and totally agree. And and I think the difference in, in our football over here in England at the moment, and it has been for several years, if he was a midfield player and he was six foot two and he could run around and win tackles and smash into uh, players, he, he would be signed by a top team. There's a reticence to sign smaller players that have got bags of ability and for whatever reason it is, apart from Guardiola, because Guardiola's different, but he has got a, 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 an array of riches. But there is something about our football that they don't like to take that punt on that skillful, smaller player that can just pull the rabbit out the hat. Well, well, absolutely. But Guardiola's, um, he was brought up with three midgets, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Barcelona, he had the the three lads at Barcelona who, you know, uh, they couldn't find boots small enough for them, really, could they? They were, they were, they were terrific, three terrific players. Um, So he was educated by them, really. Yeah. And uh, that's that's what's needed. But mo- as you say, mo- most most of these it's it's basically like going back to school. You know, when they pick the bigger boys yeah. instead of the, the the more skillful ones, they like the big and strong ones. Uh, but it's 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 a myth, you know. It's uh, it, it was like we, I think we've had the conversation. I've had it. I had one last week. Strangely enough, that. 
you watch England schoolboys years ago and all the mm-hmm. big strong boys, none, none of them ever made it. Um, and then later on, all the all the talented boys that were, were overlooked came through, you know. And and this is the same same thing. But going back to him, strangely enough, chair. If you look at the history of Queens Park Rangers, I mean they've had so much they've had so much talent go through their through their club, and but they just haven't had a manager who could recognise it mm-hmm. and 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 actually build around that talent rather than just put throw that talent in there. They should build teams around people like that. And get them to play through him. I think this manager has tried to do that in in certain aspects. He he's put his faith in him and he and he's tried, but you can't see bad players. You can't make bad players good players and tell them when to give him the ball. They just don't know when. They're, they're, I mean, they're 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 just a poor poor team, Queens Park Rangers. And when you've got a terrific talent playing in a poor team, it's it's very very difficult. Um, and you know, again, it's it's just it's management skills. You've got to get you've got to get rid of the others and 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 build around this this fella. You know, it's um um as you say, Guardiola knows how to do it. But Guardiola's been very fortunate. Again, we can go back to you know what would he be like, what would he be like if he'd have managed Mansfield yesterday? You know. Or give him a poor club with poor players, but he, every job he's walked into, he's had world class players, hasn't he? Yeah, I guess the old saying is that you can't make a silk purse out of a sales ear. But just staying on the QPR thread for, for, for a while before we go back in time and talk about your first game when you played against your um, to be next manager uh, against Tulsa for Seattle with uh, Alan Inton managing. Tulsa, uh, Stan Bowles. They've just um, they've erected the name the Stan Bowles Stand, haven't they? At the Esley Road end at, at Queens Park Rangers, which is a fitting tribute to Queens Park Rangers' greatest ever talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's very sad actually. It's um, it, and it's a sad indictment on the club as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, hundred percent. These. Um, these football clubs are built, you know, when you see what happened to Bobby Moore, he's the greatest example of all time uh, being treated like he was treated after England won the World Cup and then what he did in Mexico in 1970 and the way he was outcasted and, you know, by by both club and country at West Ham, his, the treatment was appalling. Uh, I mean, he, you know, his name was God in the game, and, and that's who he was, and he was treated him badly. And when you see a statue of him outside the ground and at Wembley, you think, well, that's no good, is it? You know, they, you know, they should have looked after the man when he was alive. You know, um, uh, statues are no good once you're gone. Um, it's probably a little bit like. Uh, having a statue of Michael Jackson outside Fulham, you know, when when Johnny Haynes was their greatest player, what do statues mean, you know? Absolutely, I thought they was going to have um, a statue outside there 
Burnley Football Club of Michael Jackson as well, but unfortunately, <laughs> didn't quite happen. And they well, Sean Dyche won't have one, I know that. <laughs> no, absolutely. But again, a fitting uh, tribute to Stan, and what a shame that Stan is yeah. in a good position to go down to Tampa with Shanksy because those boys, I mean, they were uh, they were you know, uh, soulmates, wasn't they? Went well, he, did ch- he wouldn't have the pull either. Don, uh, Stan wouldn't have made the game to Cincinnati. He'd have been, <laughs> he would have been in the dog track of St. Petersburg. He wouldn't have got him out. You know, he was, um, that was him. Stan was one of those, he was a, he was a total one-off. He, 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 he wasn't really in love with football. He, he, he it, it was kind of, you know, the the sense it wasn't second nature to him. It weren't, you know, he he was just a he was a freak really. He was just born with just a gift. It was incredible, and he, he just turned up on a Saturday for ninety minutes, and that was it. Mm. Uh, in fact, I don't think he he was there after time. He was, you know, uh, the the you know the couple of stories that, that he he was in the bookmakers at twenty to three. Ran a corner from the Brentford ground and the QBR ground before four matches with his kit on and his his overcoat on it was true. You know, he he just was, wasn't interested in football. It was is unbelievable. Yet you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. You you would think this geezer was lived and breathed football the way he played it, but he didn't. You know. Some people have got that natural ability, Al, of course, yeah. and, and some haven't. You were another player that had natural ability. One of the greatest players ever to wear the royal blue of Chelsea um, and certainly one of the most skillful players to ever wear the royal blue of Chelsea. I didn't realise your mate, Chris Garland, was the first Chris to play for Chelsea. Uh, we had a Christine Matthews at the club. Yeah, at the time. She, Chris, she was a secretary, though, wasn't she, Christine? Yeah, she yeah, never actually yeah. kicked a ball. But no, that was, wow. in, that was in your fantastic book, The Working Man's Ballet. I was just yeah. flicking through it earlier today. But Tulsa, you've gone over there. It's not quite happened for you after the FA Cup final. There was a stewards inquiry called by Don. It kicked off when uh, you told Terry exactly where it went wrong. He didn't like it. You got the pat on the back, etc. when you went out and done the training session. And then I think you played one more game, didn't you? A testimonial. You got done for drink and driving after that. And then you were on the uh, the plane over to the Great Northwest <clears throat> to ply your trade uh, for Seattle Sounders. And that first game, you didn't realise it went into overtime, but you had to have an injection, didn't you? So talk me through that first game and uh, your American dream how it started. Yeah, it was it was um, well the, the whole thing really. Uh, I think I was there. Probably three three months before the season started, I needed to get my. I was quite. I was out running every day, but nothing like training properly or planning matches and everything else. So I was, I was in pretty, which I thought quite good good, good condition. But when I went there, I didn't realise that you know that although it was it was great to get back playing and living living in a different environment, it, everything was great uh, and. Um, I was still having trouble with the ankle and training on our training ground. It rent and wasn't the greatest kind of surface. And and I remember going to the Kingdom on the night of the match, and we we played uh, Tulsa uh, Roughnecks, and 
uh, Alan Hinton was their manager who I played against a couple of years before when he was at Derby. Um, and I, I just, my ankle was in a, in a bit of a mess and I, I, uh, I, I spoke to um, Jimmy Gabriel about it and I, I said, I think I'm going to need a painkiller. I didn't like taking injections and all that, but the, I just, it was, it was, it was just playing me up. Mm. And Marty Kushner, uh, our club doctor, who was a great fella, uh, he, he put the dreaded cortisone in it. And uh, unbeknown to me at that time that in in America, if you, you know, it was being my first match, if you if you come off, it was a draw like over here after uh, 90 minutes, then you go into overtime, you know, and you go back on and on that. I know he's changed two or three times, you know, with a say introducing the World Cup, the golden goal and all that. But you, you go into overtime and he only put enough cortisone in, in me to last me 90 minutes. And maybe if it's 15 minutes half time, so even if he put two hours in there, it wore off. Mm. And by the time we got into extra time, I, I think we... I, I don't know. I think they might have won by the odd goal or the whatever, but it was. Um, I, I, I just remember not being able to walk off the field properly. Yeah. I was in such a mess. But that was a kind. That was a kind of um, um, reaction you get from all this cortisone, and it's amazing, really, that the uh, football clubs haven't had more lawsuits against them, really. Um, because it's just no good. Uh, strangely enough, uh, uh, I went to see my uncle the other day, and he he's 85, and he's got a bad knee, and they're, they're sticking cortisone in his leg. And I can't believe that they're still, they're still allowed to do this. But, you know, he don't have to run around for 90 minutes, does he? Nobody you know? probably would be able to know that cortisone inside him. Well, I've, I've, I wouldn't mind it in my drink, actually. <laughs> But uh, orange and cortisone. <laughs> yeah, cortisone. That, 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 just an added spice of cortisone in it. I mean, that's. I mean, it was really, it was really that bad for you, you know. And mm-hmm. you, you, it was. Uh, but, but I didn't realize. I didn't realize till this, this, that first night, uh, that 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 was the effect. And I, I couldn't work out how I was all right for ninety minutes, although I didn't play that well. Because um, it was it was all brand new to me. I'd, I'd, I'd adjusting to the kind of AstroTurf that, that we had at the Kingdom, the, the the kind of again plan with um, maybe I'm, I'm I don't think I'm out of all in saying inferior players. Yeah. Uh, we had Mike England who played at Tottenham. who was an outstanding player. And we had a kid called Steve Battle, who was, was outstanding. He was a fantastic player who played at Bournemouth and unheard of over here. Uh, and two or three maybe decent players, but the, the rest, you know, not that good. Mm-hmm. So you're you're playing, you know. I have hot water out. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, it's very difficult to, you know, it's like stepping up. Um, you know, it's a lot easier, like when I played for England against West Germany, it's a lot easier to step up into that grade 
and and to show your worth than it is to step down and 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 play with lesser players and against lesser players. It's it's kind of you're you're going into the unknown if, if you know what I mean. It is very 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 difficult when you're you know one six months before that I was playing with Liam Brady at Arsenal and now I'm playing you know in Seattle and it it, it was very difficult and um, I think that was that was that kind of, that was what I'm trying to say and it came through when poor Jimmy Gabriel got the sack Harry Harry Redknapp got the sack he was there at the time. Alan Hinton took over, and the next thing you know, the first thing Alan did was bring in four or five players, and the standard rose incredibly high, and and within six months, nine months, we 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 broke all records over there, and it was only because of the the management and the the, the insight and foresight of Alan Hinton that did that. It was an ever-changing uh, face, wasn't it? Of Seattle, there was players. To listen to the rest of this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash srbmedia or just follow the links in the description. Thank you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.